Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's show, we are talking to Jeremy. He is the CEO of Judo Pay. But before that, hi, Jack. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Here's a random question. Cool. Fireman Sam, sexist or not? Um, not actively sexist, but... Did why? you not see this? No. I thought you might have seen this, given Piers Morgan is your favourite. Oh, I've muted him on Twitter. Oh, right. Yeah, I can't uh, stand the bastard. There was, a, there was. I don't think we should get into it, because yeah. actually I, I think it's a bit more complex than has been played out online. Right. Uh, I think it's uh, possibly a minefield for us to get into. But basically on Good Morning Britain, yeah. um, someone was suggesting that Fireman Sam was sexist, which Piers Morgan took a front to. But a lot of, of people were it like, does. it's the first time in my life that I've agreed with Piers Morgan. Does seem like in the in the in the world that we live in, discussing whether or not fireman Sam is putting off women becoming firemen seems a little bit of a strange one to pick on. It seems like a bit of a stretch. I mean, it doesn't sound unusual. It sounds unusual that Piers Morgan's talking in hyperbole for a change. I mean, oh no, wait, that's his thing. Totally gender stereotyping, bad. Yes, you know, blue and pink. Yes, bad. Yes, uh, fireman Sam. Uh, I mean, when was it created? I, I watched Fireman Sam yeah. as a kid. Yeah. It's just kind of slightly archaic, yes, I but mean, it's a much beloved literary character. The, uh, the, I mean, where do we stop there? Bob the Builder, Thomas the Tank Engine? Well, that, I saw people to that effect. I mean, I, I think it's just more of a reflection of the time of these programmes inception that it just, men weren't thinking about women in an equal sense. Quite simply, they weren't. Don't necessarily think that means that they were being sexist, but it certainly means they weren't as woke as we are now. Yeah, right? I mean, so, I, don't, I don't imagine that there are female post people, yeah. professionals, put off being posties because of Postman Pat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, when you go over it, actually, it's pretty damning. I mean, oh, yeah, one, of course. one of the big TV programmes when I was little was Tracy Beaker. Like, that, no denying that was one of the biggest programmes when I was little. But other than that, I'm trying to think of any other female-led TV programmes as, as a child. Nickelodeon used to do this takeover thing. Their breakfast show was very much, they'd be at someone's house from the hours of seven till nine in the morning, like doing the show from there. And that was hosted by a, by a female. But other than that, yeah. But you had, had Josie on CBBC. Connie Huck. Yeah. Now living legend Connie Huck. I, I would think that um, Blue Peter would surely be a standard yeah. bearer for a quality of... 100%. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. You had, you had, you had different backgrounds. You had, there was, I'm pretty sure they had someone with a wheelchair on there at some point presenting it. Quite possible. And, you know, everyone knows about Sticky Back Plastic and Here's One I Made Earlier. Here's One I Made Earlier. The Karate Kid, that was boy, but the title is not... Yeah. Th- you know why I said Karate Kid, don't you? No. Ten- tenuous Link, Dave. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was like, that, that's a bit of a random one. It's not a kid's program at all. But, but here we go. <laughs> so, yes, Q, let's talk about tech. Um, <coughs> Jeremy, CEO of Judo Pay, is our guest on today's show. So mm. we're talking fintech, we're talking cashless, mm. loads to get our teeth into. Uh, but we also have something for you later on in the show, so stay tuned. We've got a second shorter interview with a product announcement all the way from Israel. Mm. Loads of reasons to stay tuned, but here's Jeremy. 
So today we are chatting to Jeremy. Jeremy, you're the CEO of Judo Payments. Yes, indeed. Just known as Judo or Judo Payments? We call it Judo Pay, actually. Judo Pay. Yeah. How long has the company been around? Six or so kind of years now. Um, and, and you joined six months ago? Yeah, I joined in, in September last year. So I suppose an interesting question is why join this this uh, company when you've been in the industry a long time in finance? What was it about this company and what they're doing that attracted you? I think really the opportunity that mm. um, uh, the company has and, and what it was actually focused on. So, I mean, I, I've been a, a passionate kind of uh, believer in sort of like the power of kind of mobile and in particular in, in the kind of payments world for, uh, for a long time. And Judo was kind of like set up to be really kind of to realize the opportunities in terms of, you know, the world moving towards kind of using mobile more and more and using apps to pay. The people were the uh, were a key factor in terms of uh, the team of people that uh, that we have here. Um, really kind of passionate, motivated, um, you know, high achieving kind of people. So I guess the combination of the kind of the what the company was about, the whole sort of um, uh, the sort of the dynamic, the vibe here in terms of uh, you know their kind of uh, enthusiasm. Uh, you know, it's we're not a startup anymore. We're a, we're more of a kind of a scale up. But actually, it had that kind of like startupy type vibe. How, how many people are there in the business? Then? We are we're thirty seven currently. Yeah. Um, you know, we're hiring a few uh, positions at the moment. So you know. In, in terms of the people that you've got, had many of them worked in finance before? Is that is that something that you brought to the table? Um, so it's, it's a mix. Um, so we have some people who have a good background in, in payments, a number of people who have not been mm. in, the, in this world before. Uh, so, you know, they but they, they have been in the kind of tech world uh, or, you know, they've had, you know, other sort of, you know, they bring other kind of good experience. I mean, payments as an industry has obviously been around for a very, very long time. And coming into a market as a new business must be challenging. I suppose your competitors, your traditional competitors, I suppose, might be a first data or someone like that. Well, actually, well, first data is actually a partner of ours, but right. um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you get in terms of on this side of uh, you know the business, so and, and so you know, I guess in, in payments, it kind of it splits into uh, you know organisations which are giving us as consumers mm. ways to pay. So either like a card or, you know, maybe it's actually on our devices and so on. So that kind of account. And then on the retail side of things in terms of helping businesses, in terms of accepting those kind of payments. So on that kind of that, that receiving side of kind of payments, as it were, um, then, you know, there are, you know, there are um, some, you know, a, a, a host of uh, really kind of big and powerful uh, competitors in terms of, and I think where, you know, and, and, and kind of true to our name in terms of like judo. So, you know, and judo kind of business strategy is, is tending to sort of like to use your, you know, your relative kind of size, speed, agility, you know, using the, you know, perhaps going up against kind of bigger competitors and so on, bigger organizations. Because, but, you know, in a way that because you're able to kind of like do things kind of faster, you're more adaptable, more agile and so on. There are some advantages. I mean, you, you were a launch partner for Apple Pay. I mean, do you, do you put that Success down to that ability to move faster and be a little bit more agile. So you know the um, you know the, the company saw the opportunities in um, in app based commerce and in app uh, uh, commerce and Apple Pay uh, you know then uh, was a I think a, a really kind of significant innovation in the uh, in the market uh, and so there were, you know the two uh, two aspects of Apple Pay one the kind of the physical uh, mm. um, you know a payment piece and using. The kind of the uh, established sort of contactless technology, which the payment schemes and banks have been you know, putting in place, 
but then on the other side is actually the the ability to make a in a, a really kind of simple frictionless convenient um, e-com or mcom kind of payment and that you know so so apple were um, seeking to you know work with people that were in that kind of space who understood that space um, and uh, you know could really kind of uh, help them kind of you know to deliver uh, for you know a number of kind of retailers and merchants and so on that sort of uh, you know provide the Apple Pay kind of uh, in-app experience. Now I think it's interesting that you've you've made a pledge. Is it, is it sorry? Is a pledge a strong word? But you're going to try and go cashless for 2019, right? I, I well I will. I you will. will. Go, I will go cashless. It is a pledge. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would argue that. Oh, sorry. I would guesstimate that 90 percent of my transactions are, are cashless now. I I use Google Pay uh, predominantly. Uh, in every instance that I can. However, even this morning, I took £10 out of a cash point, just in case, because the, co- the coffee shop at St Margaret's Station, often the card reader breaks. And every now and then, I've, I've fallen victim of kind of Visa having an outage or MasterCard having an outage. So how, how challenging is that to go cashless for a whole year? Right? I'd imagine 90% of the time, it's absolutely fine, but... Well, so I think then, um, and you know, let, let's face it. So, UK is a uh, is an economy that has you know uh, has embraced kind of you know uh, you know cars for for quite a while, and you know since nineteen sixty six when the first kind of credit card came into being, you know, uh, generation after generation is kind of you know is they're used to using cars, um, and you know retailers uh, today are, are you know increasingly well you know they see the the benefit of uh, of taking cards they you know they see the benefit of actually of uh, contactless as well and just the how that makes a much much better uh, customer mm-hmm. experience there have been some holdout sectors um and you know so things like taxis uh have been you know, have been a problem in the past uh and then you get the whole kind of like vending kind of area uh you know parking those sort of you know uh, areas but they're all being addressed. I mean, you know, so I guess it's kind of the Uber effect on on, uh, on taxes in terms of, then, I mean, so obviously you've got the move by uh, Transport for London, uh, you know, to you know, in, essentially enforce that taxi, you know, that sort of, you know, black cabs can actually kind of take, um, take cards and, and, and very much, you know, which are contactless enabled. You've got uh, in a number of our, our clients, two, two you know key clients are uh, they are enabling minicab firms up and down the country to mm. you know using apps and having sort of app-based kind of uh, uh, payments and so on using using cards. So that sector I think is well on the way to being a um, uh, you know sort of a a, a a sector where you you don't need cash. Parking is fixed I think in terms of you know there are a number of mobile apps out there. Uh, and it's just a much better experience vending than you know that increasingly you see uh, in any vending machine you see it actually has a, a, a card terminal on it mm. that's a much quicker way so all the all the kind of key areas I think are actually being uh, being addressed um, I guess one of the one of the one of the challenges I've had so far um, uh, and it's only you know it's, uh, I, I've done you know, probably uh, you know, in since the beginning of the year, uh, two hundred and twenty odd transactions, which is quite a lot. Of, you know, you think about it, quite a lot of transactions. Yeah. But I mean, you know, if you're using, you know, your and I use Apple Pay all the time in terms of my, you know, like uh, to for for kind of you know uh, my uh, all my tra- transactions really in terms of like you know from coffee, newspaper, whatever it might be, um, and uh, so you just you know you you, know, you do a ton of transactions. One of the areas has been in terms of like, uh, paying people, so P2P, 
So, which you know is fine. There are you know the the industry is, has um, has solutions there. Faster payments is a great way to um, uh, you know to pay people and and you know, so uh, whether it's like window cleaners or whatever, they all you know that they they I think uh, embrace you know faster payments uh, more and more. So that that's not an, uh, mm-hmm. an issue. But actually, in terms of cash, me to give you cash, uh, for example, or money rather, let's speak of that. Then, um, uh, if you know, there are some, you know, some banks which make this kind of really easy, and I mentioned Monzo already. I think that's you know, they make that. Uh, and Barclays a few years ago, they did a, they did a bump kind of within the app, didn't they? I don't, yeah, I don't, know, I don't know whether it really took off, but it was an interesting idea. No, absolutely, they they, they they did, and you know, um, NatWest uh, also kind of launched a um, you know uh, you know a good service there. You then had this sort of like this industry sort of you know UK uh, banking industry kind of move to PayM. Um, uh, but in terms of actually people's kind of awareness, kind of uh, in a um, uh, in a sort of uh, in a use of those kind of services, I think that's still kind of growing. International transactions is 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 where I had the problem in terms mm-hmm. of like a mate of mine who lives in um, lives in the US who owed me some money. Uh, I mean, he could have used PayPal, and that would have been a simple thing. But he didn't have a PayPal account and wasn't you know wasn't going to get one. So uh, in the end, we had to do you know because uh, I would not ref- I refuse to accept uh, him just giving me kind of currency. Uh, you know, we had to do an international banking transaction where you know he uh, you know he ended up paying for it, and actually I ended up getting less than uh, less than he was uh, he was due to pay me. So th- th- there are solutions to all these all these yeah, issues, yeah. and I think there are increasingly some good solutions kind of available. It's like anything in kind of in, in payments. It's it's people's awareness of them and familiarity with them and, and comfort with kind of using them. The comfort's an interesting piece because despite all of what you've just mentioned there, which describes, you know, um, I, I suppose an economy that, that is a long way to adopting a lot of, a lot of this uh, form of payment, Halifax have got an advert on television at the moment where they're, they're telling everyone that they've got a contactless card. <laughs> the contactless cards have been around for donkey's years. And I just yeah. thought that was bizarre. Yeah, um, and, and actually, I must admit that was probably my uh, my reaction when I first saw that ad as well. Thinking, really, why why are they advertising that? But, but I guess then you know, um, whilst in London, you know that that uh, you know uh, anyone in and around the kind of like the London southeast area, then there's never really any kind of uh, place that you can't use uh, contactless. I think the, uh, these days, or you know, it's a shrinking base. Uh, further afield, up you know, up in other parts of the country. Um, you know, I've had situations where you know people, you know, in, where I've expected to be able to use uh, in a contest and, and and haven't been able to. I think that's you know that is changing all, all the time. But and uh, so I guess uh, you know then merchants and retailers aren't necessarily making it as available in other parts of the country, and the consumer, mm. you know, is still maybe a little bit kind of wary and so on and so on. I mean, I, I guess you kind of look at the you know the customer base also. What the honey fats in a customer base. Is there a different demographic uh, there? It's just you know, I, I guess you know they're looking to provide um, you know to engage people in using kind of this this technology, um, and typically what happens is you know after the first sort of two or three transactions you're there, you, you just you know it's never an issue. And the same, you know, we've seen it in contactless, we see it in mobile. Currently, people getting it, you know, they need to get familiar with this new way of doing things. And once they are, then it becomes the everyday, you know, the, you know their, their default way of doing things. My, my mum runs the uh, Slaley Community Shop up in Northumberland. Right, okay. I'm going to have to double check now whether they 
<laughs> except contactless payments. But there are different ways of doing things, and I guess you know that increasingly, you know, people are looking to provide solutions in this space. Just out of interest, um, mobile phones, smart devices are fairly saturated across the market now, regardless of those demographics. And obviously, we do sometimes think, oh, demographics will be kind of a barrier. But I wondered if that was actually borne out in some of the data. Of actually, largely, you saw more and more people in certain geographies taking up contactless payments regardless of age well i think you know then there was a, a study which the um uh, was commissioned and was published just before christmas the uk access to cash and that kind of a really interesting study actually i mean it's asking the question you know, is britain ready to go cashless mm. uh you know the conclusion was you know whilst we are fast going cashless it will be you know like in 10 15 years time you, you will have a, 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 sh- a much shrunken proportion of transactions which are cash based uh, but still, it'll, it'll kind of be around. And if you look at the, if you do look at the, you know, the demographic analysis, then you know, so typically it is the, the, uh, you know, the older demographic that is, uh, you know, much more kind of familiar with and and comfortable with using cash. You know, the sort of like younger generation, um, and I can talk, you know, my, my sort of own kind of family are, are you know, good examples as. They just don't want. They don't want cash. They want it just, you know. So when you get get the, you know, requests to the bank of mum and dad to sort of to um, for money, they want it just transferred into their account um, because that's how that's that's how they kind of do things. And, and there's been a number of kind of you know uh, studies about the kind of the, how they kind of gravitation towards using mobile apps and so on. You know, Generation Z. You know, that's and they are. That's how they do things. It's it's mobile based. It's app based, and so on. And and that's so. It will just work its way through. In terms of um, the future of payments, then I suppose if you don't have a ten pound note or a coin, and you have that kind of very traditional view of money in your in your pocket, if that cord does get cut, and effectively currency is just pushing numbers around a screen. What does that open up in terms of the future of payments and, and other solutions that could be adopted? Because people surely are then going to be more open to adopting newer and interesting techniques to, to kind of cha- exchange value. Yeah, well, I mean, I think then obviously then, you know, the, the established kind of, you know, uh, currencies have got an awful lot of, uh, you know, life left in them. But I think you're right. And when, when, when you sort of like break the, uh, when, when, when cash is no more, and it is, you know, it's kind of fully digital. Then I think then uh, that brings opportunities for other types of um, uh, currencies, maybe to actually be, be used. And I mean, you see this already today in terms of, um, you know, there are uh, in a towns, a few towns in in the UK which have got their own local currency, so nice. you can buy a currency and then you use that currency. You know, and, and there's a benefit I think to the local community. Um, there are other sort of like you know bartering you know type of interest, ideas. Is, is that to kind of possibly support local businesses or to kind of reinvigorate the high street? Or yeah, something like I, that? I think it is, and and, and that has you know that that's, that's a kind of uh, a great benefit. So I think then you know there are already kind of examples which aren't digitally kind of based, mm. but actually you know maybe then uh, you know there that, that you we will see you know more uh, more opportunities created. Obviously, you've got the whole kind of crypto world, which you know is uh, predominantly um, you know speculatively kind of uh, uh, base I would say the sort of the, you know the utility in um, in being able to use a cryptocurrency to actually sort of like to you know buy stuff there are you know it's, it's, it's developing all the time you know but it's still it's not it's not mainstream but you might see yeah, yeah. you know those ty- new types of currencies come out of the myriad of possibilities what are judo pay looking at as being an interesting one that, that may well make an impact 
you know, we, we see ourselves as being you know, a leading edge player in terms of um, you know developing mobile app based commerce. Voice commerce is also really interesting, I think, in terms of uh, you know and uh, where that kind of goes to. Uh, where you know, I guess you're kind of you know you, you know you are either talking to your you know, uh, range of home devices mm. um, in terms of you know, giving them sort of payment instructions, or you're talking to your car, or your to your TV, or whatever it might be. So that uh, whole area of kind of voice commerce is uh, uh, is interesting. Getting that customer familiarity, it take it takes a while, but you have to be thinking like ten years ahead in terms. All right, what are opportunities? What can they actually look like? Because you know, uh, unless you kind of you're, you're thinking about those, and um, uh, they're not necessarily going to happen. Interesting. We had, uh, it was an ad that um, Visa put out in about two thousand um, called the um, uh, the future takes Visa, I think, and they had sort of a number of kind of scenarios. I had one with um, you know a couple in the desert, uh, you know, who put who was saying, "Well, what should we do tonight?" And oh, well, let's watch a movie, and they put on a pair of glasses each. You know, there's a sort of like, there's a transaction where they essentially buy the movie, uh, and it's sort of using iris kind of scanning, uh, and then they're watching. And sort of the movie was singing in the rain, uh, you know, but you know that sort of like seems sort of fantastical, uh, kind of them. But that technology yeah, is pretty yeah. much around now. But I mean, that you know, that's two thousand nineteen, you know, and you know, nineteen ninety nine, you know, two thousand. So. You know, you need it's sometimes like to be thinking yeah, yeah. through what you know. What does that future payment scenario look like? Well, look, Jeremy, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Could Jeremy be the first cashless man in the world? In the world? Oh, Jeremy Clarkson style, like it? Um, like it doesn't sound easy. Like I, no. I would think I was totally cashless, but I'm not because every Friday I go down to Petticoat Lane to get my chicken satay wrap, and I pay with cash. Yes. You know, stuff like that I would always need cash for. But then this made me think about the East London Food Centre across the road from my house. Now, you go in there and it's always £5 minimum spend with card, right? That's the rule. But But surely most of the products are over £5 anyway. No, no, no. We're talking like fruit and veg and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much a... I mean, it's quality in there. This is not a street food market type. No, no, no. Sorry. This is is a food... Yeah. (laughs) How bourgeois am I? I just imagined that it must be a street food market <laughs> no no it's very much uh, a corner shop yeah. yeah but yeah. the fellow in there or to everyone will be like yeah five pound minimum spend and then he'll go but I'll let you off this time he must have let me off about 13 times this year already well you're a regular customer oh, exactly so I think like the whole thing with contactless is that we're now even seeing like mind shift mentality in corner shops and local businesses which is good I think I was at uh, Christmas at Kew, not this year gone, but the year before. You fancy bastard. I'm coming across all wrong on this show. Isn't it? <laughs> Street food, Christmas Day, at Kew. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in the building. Uh, I'm wearing a red t-shirt today. Not that I'm a red, but there we go. Uh, anyway. <laughs> you got your green trainers. Yes. Um, there was, the, the, basically, you would imagine at something like that, they would have something like Izettle. No, it was cash only. Really? Yeah, so... But one thing we didn't mention was this, and Josie can talk about this in more detail when she's next on, but she's going to a festival where you can only pay via a bracelet. Yeah. So you top up money... Ooh, fire, on, fire bracelet style. Exactly. You top, you get the app, you can top up your amount on the app, but you can only do it as a value of uh, £10 or higher. So it's like 10 20 30 40 If we're being cynical, though, that's got less to do with making people's lives easier I think and more to do with extracting cash from them totally in that, in that circumstance it is totally cynical but the technology is interesting yes yeah 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 no, I totally agree with you there. 
my point around the queue thing is you'd expect mm. in that circumstance to be able to pay cashless and I couldn't and I think until there's that lingering fear removed I don't think I could ever go completely cashless yeah I mean I can give you an example as recent today I met my granddad for a coffee earlier and he paid in all shrapnel and I said to I, I said to my granddad did he give you a Werther's original no he didn't no 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 he's not a Werther's kind of granddad oh. my granddad but I said to him, oh, you, you, you're giving him all your change. He's like, yeah, I fucking hate shrapnel. <laughs> so my granddad, I thought like, oh, he's just older, he's paying in cash. But no, he just wants to get rid of his cash so he could use his card later on. It's interesting, isn't it, yeah. though, that people who want to get rid of their change always also want to have change because... Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's a weird cycle to get yourself in that. But um, you do jingle around like a cow in Switzerland if you carry change all the time. I mean, according to Jeremy, I don't think, I don't think we captured this on recording, but he did tell me mm. uh, that... <laughs> £10, sorry, not a £10 note, any note mm. is 10 times less hygienic than a toilet seat. 10 times less hygienic. So that, what, so I, I'd rather lick a toilet, toilet seat, seat than a note. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense to me mm. because hands are filthy. When you go to the toilet and you sit down, you wash the area which you use, right? But you wash it with your hands and then some dirty bastards out there, I only stop saying bastards today, some dirty people out there don't wash their hands after they've washed their bottom or whatever it is that they're doing their business from yeah so yeah people are disgusted that's that along came poly line though isn't it with the nuts on the bar table Remember yeah that film ben yeah. Stiller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah rubbish i do think jeremy <laughs> makes a great point though that after the first one or two transactions you're there adoption yeah, yeah. is quick right yeah i remember when i first put um google pay on my phone mm. and then i was like oh obviously i'm not gonna look around for my wallet and pull out a card yeah. i'm yeah, just yeah, gonna yeah. go Kaching, yeah. done, and walk away. And uh, QR codes as a way of payment. I walk into <laughs> this is not looking good for me today. I walk into Harrison Hall every morning. What have you done with my friend? Who's this rich boy that's walked in here? It happens to be the coffee shop next to St Margaret's Station, mm-hmm. right? And but you you pay using a QR code on the app. Right. And the great thing, the, the, one of the reasons why I do it is that you then automatically get like a loyalty stamp. So yes. You don't have to that. also, not only are you getting rid of the card, but you're getting rid of the necessary kind of random stampy thing yeah. that you never remember. Yeah. So you're saving the environment as well. Yeah, there you go. And and that did get me thinking because I can totally see um, the, 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 this, this kind of idea that an area could come up with its local currency, that you could have an app that not just Harrison Hall have, but so you had like a range of 10 independent shops where they had a shared loyalty point system that encouraged people to stay within mm. that particular ecosystem. And we often think about tech driving people out right, of the high exactly, streets, yeah. out of independent stores. But yeah. actually, you can quite quickly see a little tweak, a little clever application. And like Jeremy mentions, like a, a boom in local currencies. Yeah. So don't, you don't have to create a currency. You could just have a, a quite a clever shared loyalty scheme. And as long as it's not shit like the old uh, post office money. I've got a post office voucher one year. Apparently you can spend it anywhere. You fucking can't. No? No. But I really like, I do like that idea that they've almost got their own currency and things like that. You know what this needs to be married up with, though, to save the high street is augmented reality when you're in the shop. So, Rosie and I were in Westfield this weekend, Stratford. We went into Zara because she loves Zara. She got a few bits and bobs to try on. The queue was ridiculous. Because it takes people a lot of time to get undressed and redressed and so on and so forth. If you go up to a mirror, you doobie-doobie in your code for your uh, T-shirt or jeans or whatever, and then it wears it on you in the mirror, it's going to save people time. I get, right? I do get that, and I love augmented reality. One thing I would say that, 
Clothes never quite fit the same when they're actually on your body. 100%. I get that. Um, I do. But it's... For me, I hate trying clothes on. Like, I'd sooner get the stuff home, try it on, then send it back. But I, I still think this will work. But did you see the other day that there's a company... I'm proper digressing here, but company out there that sends you a cat suit with loads of sensors on it. <laughs> I was just wondering, where are you shopping? <laughs> leather cat... No, it's not leather. But they send you a cat suit with loads of sensors on it and it reads your whole body, like it, your measurements. Right. And then all your clothes from this company are exact, like tailor-made like to a T. Wow. Because it's all over... It, yeah. Skin-tight suit. Exactly. So it will be good for when I get that leather cat suit. Zip in. yourself out. I'll be like Eddie Murphy and Raw. Lovely. Yeah. With that, let's go to our advert break. <laughs> I wanted to show you that because he gave an example about taxi companies now getting their own apps and I wanted to show you the Colchester example really? yeah yeah yeah, yeah Colchester yeah, yeah. example yeah, 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 Colchester yeah, yeah. at the forefront of technology all the eight taxis you remember them right so it's like a budget it very much is budget um, Uber listeners you can't see this but the, the dial here shows that we are where we are which is by Liverpool Street and it would take us 81 minutes to get a cab from Colchester Lovely. But if I was back in home in Colchester, it would be a lot more receptive. But it's just showing that, yeah, Uber have disrupted so much that black cabs and even your all the eight cabs are having to get involved. Farewell, but not goodbye. Do you know what that is? Bobby Robson's autobiography. All the better read by Bobby Robson. No way. Yeah. What a legend of the game he was. Exactly. It's a great book to read, but listening to Bobby Robson talking you through his life that's special exactly my choice is uh, The Sisters Brothers which is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and John C. Reilly that has been released worldwide apart from in the UK so I'm going to listen to the audiobook if anyone's wondering why we've suddenly started talking about books it's because if you head over to audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks you can get a free month's trial there courtesy of your favourite technology podcast Get listening. Should we get on to the news now? Yeah, it's an exciting one. This now week. that you've been like, oh, hang on, I want to show that. Yeah, that, that, was, that was very sweet. Yeah, now that I'm actually giving good examples rather than just showing off about how rich I am all the time, Dave. I was at Q last Christmas. <laughs> Membership for Q is 75 quid for the year for two people. That gives you unlimited access to the gardens. Normally, it's 20 pounds a visit per person. How many times have I been to Kew Gardens? Zero. You're also supporting um, the World Seed Bank, and there are plenty of examples of plants in Kew that now don't exist anywhere else in the wild. The World Seed Bank just sounds wrong to me. Sorry. Anyway, uh, I'm just putting out how, you know, it's a very green thing. Stop justifying your austerity. Austerity? Austerity. It's definitely not austerity. I'm spending it on something that I don't need. Uh, you know what I mean. It's nice Showing to have. Off. Nice to have. Right. Um, do we need another smart watch, Jack? Or do we need a, a medical wearable, for that matter? 100%. I mean, I know for a fact that 40% of people with AFib, the most common form of arrhythmia, don't know that they have it. And when did you become such an expert? <laughs> oh, uh... We've got an interview to play you. Um, we have spoken to Cardiac Sense... Um, they are an Israeli-based um, medtech uh, firm. Mm-hmm. They have come up with a smartwatch. I'm going to hand over to this interview. It's quite short. Have a listen, and then myself and Jack are going to just have a quick chat about this product afterwards. 
So we're uh, chatting on the line with Amnon Blanca. Amnon, you're, uh, you work for Cardiac Sense and you're based in, in Israel, correct? Correct. And you have a new smart device coming to market uh, in, in the healthcare space. Yes, uh, we are developing a one-of-a-kind medical watch. This watch uh, is first uh, focusing on heart arrhythmia detection and uh, cuffless blood pressure measurement. How, how does that work, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, and, and is it... Because there's a number of products out there that you can obviously buy commercially that uh, would seem to measure heart rate, etc. All the devices in the market today for uh, detecting heart arrhythmias are based on uh, ECG technology, which is uh, electrocardiogram. Mm -hmm. And either they are uh, uh, cumbersome and, for, and, and can be measured, you can measure only for up to uh, 30 days with uh, some sort of patches and halters. And mm -hmm. it's very, very uh, annoying to walk around with something like that for uh, three weeks or one month. Mm -hmm. Or there are the devices uh, that are uh, intended for a special spot check. And then you need to initiate the, the test and look for heart arrhythmia, which is a problem. It does not uh, monitor you for a long time. And the second thing is uh, many people have heart arrhythmias but they are not symptomatic meaning right. they do not feel the heart arrhythmia so they cannot initiate uh, the test or the check in the right time where the arrhythmia occur that's why we develop uh, a watch which is a medical device you can walk with it all year long and uh, it will monitor you 24 7 365 and will look for arrhythmia that, that remote monitoring aspect, the fact that you mentioned people aren't even aware that they've got that arrhythmia, but this can, can measure all the time. How important is that when it comes to then being able to potentially predict disease and, and do some interesting stuff with that data? The most common arrhythmia, it's called atrial fibrillation or in short AFib. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have such an arrhythmia, it will put you... Uh, in 500% at risk for getting a stroke. And 60% 60% of the people are symptomatic and 40% are not. Meaning it's like a ticking bomb. They're walking with it. As long as they don't know that they are AFib patients, uh, they, they might have a stroke any time. And uh, actually the treatment for that is relatively simple you get a special anticoagulant that will take you out of uh, risk of getting a stroke. The, the issue is uh, diagnosing these people and surfacing all the people that are AFib patients and are not symptomatic. Right. And uh, because it's a paroxysmal uh, uh, arrhythmia, meaning it can come and go once a day, once a week, once a month, or maybe once a year, but mm -hmm. still you're at risk, meaning that you need to look for it all the time. And the ECG-based technology that exists today does not allow you to do that, except for one device that is an uh, invasive one, and you need to have a procedure to put it uh, in your chest, which is right. obviously have the downfall of its own. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Out of interest, you've obviously got Fitbit on the lifestyle uh, and, and obviously iWatch. Their battery ranges differ wildly. Your product, how, how, long do you, how, you know, how often are you going to have to charge this? Because it's going to be frustrating if you, you've got to charge it every other night, I guess. But I don't know yes. if the technology is a big battery drain. So everybody's using the optical technology for uh, reading heart rate, which is yep. called PPG. Our device has five uh, days between charges, and uh, we believe that uh, in the coming year we will go for at least 10 days between charges, which is obviously reasonable. Mm -hmm. And you, you can ask, so how are you different from all the other players in the market that have PPG technology? Well, Cardiac Sense is the only company in the world that developed uh, something we called and developed uh, called Artifact Sensor that can eliminate all uh, movement artifacts. We are the only company to do that, and therefore uh, our pulse and heart rate reading is uh, equal to ECG uh, reading, which is the medical standard. Because of this uh, artifact sensor, we reach this level and we've proven it clinically. We reach 99% sensitivity and specificity in the clinical trials. Amazing. While uh, many other companies, including Big Apple, uh, are reaching the levels of some 70 something sensitivity and specificity because they do not have this uh, special sensor we develop. So is, is, the, is the watch available now? And if so, in what markets? Or is it, or is it due to be launched? No, it's due to be launched. Uh, we are currently in a clinical trial towards FDA and CE approvals. Uh, we should have both of them by the end of this year. Mm -hmm. And uh, the watch will be available uh, in the market in the beginning of next year. It's 2020. So if someone's interested in getting their hands on one, what, what would they do? Would they go to your website? and? No. Uh, first of all, uh, we are starting with the watch as any other medical device for this purpose. Uh, this will be prescribed watch. Oh, I see. Okay. It, it's not over the counter. We believe that the clinical uh, people, the, the uh, cardiologists and electrophysiologists, they need to embrace this technology because they are used to the ECG devices in the market. And we also added ECG to our watch, which is instantaneous ECG. You only need to put your finger on the crown of the watch, the other hand fingers, and you will get instantaneous ECG. That is why because we think that the cardiologist will, uh, would embrace this technology faster if they will re be uh, introduced to signal they're already working with. And on top of that, there is the PPG signal. This is regarding heart arrhythmias, but the true holy grail that will follow, we believe next year, is cuffless blood pressure measurement. And there is no device in the market today that measure uh, blood pressure with, without uh, cuff. Uh, we just noticed that uh, Omron, the biggest company in the world for blood pressure measurement, just came out with a watch that measure blood pressure. However, the band itself has a cuff inside it. I see. And it, it's annoying. Well, look, it's, it's amazing to hear about new products and new innovations, uh, and especially those coming out of, uh, of Israel. You know, obviously we're, we're a UK-based podcast, so it's always fun to hear of new technologies elsewhere in the world. But uh, thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing a few, few moments uh, with our listeners so they can understand what you guys are doing.
Thank you, David. Thank you for your time and happy to be hosting, hosted in your show. Can I, can I start with my two Israel-based puns? <laughs> Go on. Well, Israeli a good idea. And I wonder if they're going to get joined up with the insurance market in Tel Aviv. Did you... Tel Aviv. Did you come up with those? Literally just now. I'm actually quite impressed. Tel Aviv. That's, that's good. <laughs> um, I, I do think this is fascinating, right? Because uh, let's face it, it's not too many years ago that people would have been watching um, a football match at Tottenham Hotspur and a Bolton player called... Why the fuck called, would they be doing that? Called... It was uh, Mbamba, wasn't it? No, what, what was his name? Fabrice Mbamba. Yes. Had a heart attack on the pitch. Oh, shit, was it him? Yes. It was him. About, yeah. But he survived, didn't he? It's Mark Vivian Fowey that passed. He yes. survived, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very lucky that there was a, a doctor, a cardiac specialist in the crowd who yeah. jumped out and, yeah. and helped save his life. But they discovered that he had a heart condition that had gone undetected. Mm, mm. And if a professional athlete can have a heart condition mm. that's undetected, then, yeah, totally. That kind of justifies the need for us to be a bit more aware. Well, especially like football clubs who have a team of scientists and physios working for them. and you know, Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Yeah. But to, to, to the point that's made by Amnon, um, some of these defects, you can only spot the arrhythmia at the moment that something's happening. Yeah, I mean, I learned that today. Yeah, yeah. I, I just assumed that if you had a heart defect, it was yeah. there the whole time. Yeah. So that's really interesting, right? Because it could stop those kind of, you know, to, to use a, a, a very public example, mm. You don't want professional athletes dropping dead because they've got heart defects that you're not aware, but equally you don't want that happening to anybody. I just didn't even know that a, a, an arrhythmia could be symptomless. I thought that it would literally be done on your heartbeats all the time and it would be obvious all the time, but it's not. It, it was it Louis Tomlinson's sister, the One Direction yeah, 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 sister, yeah. dropped dead of a heart attack aged 18 last week. Really? You'd imagine. I, I haven't actually read the details. I'm just thinking this off the top of my head. But I would imagine that's something. Similar. No, and my my cousin's best friend. It happened to him. Yeah. He he passed age 16. He was. I don't want to get morbid, but he was on uh, Skype to his friends in the group, and then he yeah he went over Skype. It was just God. the most harrowing experience ever. But you don't know this thing until it's too late. I mean, I, I suppose. I when I was when I was talking to Amnon, mm. I was kind of thinking, right, well, you know they. They want to talk to us because they want to tell people about their product. Yeah. And I was assuming it was going to be B2C. Yeah. And I was actually really pleasantly surprised to find that actually, no, it's prescription only and they're going to get it in with clinicians and then it's going to be prescribed to people on an ease basis because they're not trying to sell. They're not trying to sell lots and lots and lots of watches. They're just, and they they are doing the proper trials to make sure that this actually serves a purpose. And I think I I loved it for that. I loved it. Here's some genuine innovation, doing something that, as they say, no other company on the planet so far has been able to do. I didn't really understand all the cuff stuff. I have no clue. But but what I understood sounds harassing. My jaw dropped when he said it was going to be prescription based because the whole part before that, it was like, and S- no, to Amnon, but yeah. yeah, it was like a pitch, and it was a it, like it was a brilliant pitch as well. Like it was, he covered it all with a fantastic affluence. But it just it got to that. It was like, wait, what? It's going to be given as part. Of, that's amazing. Like yeah. talk about like we talk about so much about profit with purpose. This is purpose, maybe with a wee bit of profit. Well, I'm assuming they're they're going to sell them to good luck sellers to the NHS. Well, I have I have no idea how the Israeli medical system works. Uh, no, not but both. and I'd imagine that they're looking at various markets other than just the Middle East. But if clinicians and cardiac specialists go, this is a good thing. 
we and uh, let's let's look beyond the initial cost if it's picking up defects that we're yeah. not aware of yeah. therefore stopping people getting into a position where they're in hospital mm-hmm. and taking up a bed there's a saving on cost yeah. and if it's collecting data I know people get funny about medical data, but if it's collecting data that allows us to prevent and predict potential illnesses yep. and circumstances like that, surely it's good. We've said it before about our health data. Like as long as as long as we can begin to trust people with our health data, it is arguably the most important data set to our lives. Hmm. It it just is. So yeah, I mean these guys. Um, cardiac sense sound like they know what they're doing the slide, the pitch deck or slide deck we got sent was amazing and I'd love to try one yeah but with 2020 so we'll be here we'll be here soon anyway so Amnon thank you so much for bringing that to our attention um, people we will include a link uh, to cardiac sense in the show notes go check them out uh, but that's it for this week Jack yeah that is it yeah well obviously not it's Thursday still Friday but you know yeah, from a podcast perspective as far as we're concerned we're done now <laughs> we are back on Monday uh, with a chat all about data with booking.com nice mm, head of head of data that's pretty cool yeah. uh, but until then have a lovely weekend bye bye